Welcome back to the Forward Ever podcast. We're here to give you current events, history, analysis, etc. from a revolutionary pan-Africanist perspective and a nation, class, and gender analysis. We know that land is the basis of liberation and that until Africa is free, no African anywhere will be free or respected. Forward Ever to one unified socialist Africa. Welcome to another episode of the Forward Ever podcast. As you guys can hear, you got some brand new hosts this episode. We may be new to hosting, but we have been supporting the voice behind the scene on previous episode. Um, the podcast is really like a collective effort between several members of the party, so we may be back again. So let's introduce ourselves. My name is Prudence. Um, I live in so-called Canada, but I was born in Cameroon. Um, I have been a member of the All African People's Revolutionary Party for about nine months now. Um, I am a student majoring in sociology and minoring in African studies. Um, Inem, introduce yourself. Greetings, everyone. My name is Inem. I am in the Bay Area in Northern California. Um, I have been in the All African People's Revolutionary Party for about a year. I also organize with the Chiapas Support Committee of Los Angeles. Um, I am a recent uh, graduate in Africana Studies and Comparative Literature. I um, studied and did research in uh, West Africa, specifically in Ghana and Senegal and Burkina Faso. And yeah, that's um, my background. Yeah, like it's pretty perfect because Inam, your bag is definitely French Africa, which is really, really perfect because today we're going to be discussing Senegal. Um, we obviously know the protests that took place in the beginning of March, but now we're just going to add some context to it. You know, like what's happening? Why did it happen? What's France got to do with it? And we're just going to start off by playing this clip by a member of um, grassroots organization called FRAP in Senegal. Elles vont commencer, comme nous l'avons mentionné dans le texte minéral, c'est une série de manifestations à partir du 5 mars. Therefore, we need to begin by mentioning, as in the text, this protest that took place on March 5th. We work to operate large convergences of all free forces active in society, the labor unions, the opposition political parties, but equally all Senegalese citizens, so that we can move in an effective manner with this protest. The objective is the establishment of a state based on our rights, democracy, but also to remove Macky Sall's unjust grip on the freedom granted in our constitution. These protests are where we organize our pertinent arguments against the death of the, his intervention. You journalists who cover our protests have noticed with us that every time things get out of control, it is because they have tried to restrain our freedom and reprimand our right to protest. Every time we were left alone and allowed to protest, because we are very responsible, every time we were allowed to protest and no forces sought to restrain our rights, but instead supervised our demonstrations in the end, we realized that there wasn't even need for police presence because the protests remained peaceful. We have walked from the Place de l'Obelix to the RTS roundabout to hold gathering and speeches and there has been no issues. Whenever things get out of control, it is because they have tried to violate our constitutional right to protest. That is why we believe 
Nothing is above the Constitution. We, citizens, cannot allow Makisar or anyone else to restrain our freedom. Freedom is above everything else. When people go to war, it is either to reclaim their lost freedom or extend their freedom or defend their freedom. When people go to war, they are going at the risk of their lives and that tells you that freedom is above the biological existence of a person because freedom is the essence of man. Okay, so um, that organization, as Prudence mentioned, that's FRAP. Um, FRAP is an organization I connected with while I was in Senegal. It is uh, the, uh, well, in French, it's Le Front pour une Révolution um, Anti-Imperialist Populaire et Pan-African. So like the front for an anti-imperialist popular and Pan-African revolution. Um, it's a grassroots organization um, that is responsible for a really big, uh, movement on the ground over the past several years called France Dégage, which means France get out, which is uh, really clear that like that's expressing their um, their really like core anti-imperialist uh, politics. And it's led by um, an organizer by the name of Guy Marius Sanya, um, who was actually very recently released from prison. Um, as you heard in the clip, like they, uh, you heard the speaker talk about how there's ex um, enormous repression in Senegal against organizers um, and how like they're just met with all sorts of like state violence and that that's really um, this is really a really good example because Guimari Sanya is somebody who's also frequently targeted for arbitrary arrests and then members of FRAP this organization are also frequently kidnapped um, and arrested detained um, so they're like this is not just you know we hear about the huge protest that just broke out recently uh, this month or early this month, um, but it's actually like several years in the making. Um, there's been consistent protests in Senegal and really across this region, um, largely against French imperialism, uh, French intervention, and the just uh, the stranglehold that France has over the economy, uh, which is what actually led up to these current protests. Yeah, I want to speak a little bit about what you just said, because this is really not about just one leader versus another, right? Like, obviously, the protest kind of erupted after um, Sanko was arrested on those fake allegations and the people took to the streets. But this isn't about him versus Makisa, right? Like, it's much bigger than that. Um, we've got to talk about France, of course. We've got to talk about, like, the CEFA. Why is there, like, French military in Senegal? Like, it's so much bigger than just one leader versus the opposition, right? Definitely. It's definitely way more than just like, I don't know, like Maki Sal sucks, but Usman Sanko is good. And that's, you know, that it's really mm -hmm. something this is, um, I, I feel like it's actually more appropriate to date some of the, these, this big sort of eruption of protests to previous protests that have happened. Um, so I would say, you know, around uh, in 2017, there was a really prominent activist named Kemi Seba, who's an organizer with the organization Urgence Panafricaniste, which mm -hmm. has a really big influence on the movement or like the, not even the movement, but like, I guess the masses of people, especially mm -hmm. urban workers in Francophone West African cities, Central Africa as well. Um, you know, this is a very visible organization. It would be kind of like, to compare it to something people in the U.S. might know, saying like Black Lives Matter or something. You may not mm -hmm. be in the organization, but you've heard of it, right? And you have an opinion on it because it's a really 
well-known thing. So um, at, uh, a few years ago, Kemi Seba got arrested for burning what you mentioned, uh, Prudence, the CFA franc or the CIFA uh, in French, which is a French controlled currency that 14 countries in Africa use, including Senegal. Um, you know, uh, other countries that use a CFA are Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, Togo, Benin, Cameroon, mm -hmm. uh, Congo, Brazzaville, um, Gabon, Central African Republic, Guinea-Bissau, and Equatorial Guinea. Um, I'm not sure if I'm bad. Um, so, like, it's a currency that's used by a huge amount of, uh, you know, a huge amount of uh, people, like millions of people uh, across the continent. And it's a, a French-controlled currency that requires African countries to hold 50% of their national uh, mm -hmm. reserves in the French treasury in Paris. These are primarily former French colonies, um, for the most part. A couple countries that aren't, but for the most part, these are former French colonies that are required to keep their currency in the French treasury in Paris. Um, the currency is anchored to the euro, mm -hmm. so it doesn't, um, like, its value is not determined by like, the actual um like economic or trade conditions mm -hmm. of an individual country it's its value is determined to like it it, it fluctuates according to what the euro fluctuates like the euro's fluctuation um and it's not equal to the euro <clears throat> so what its value is relative to the euro has historically been determined by france with some manipulation um like kind of uh, at some points like the imf world bank and france kind of teamed up to force um some like devaluation of the currency so it's always kind of been like france it's determined what that exchange rate is relative to the euro that it's trying to propose a new west african currency the the echo which it's it's really not like it's not nothing better from the safe right like we don't need another currency controlled by france we need like continental white currency exactly so you can imagine like the cfa is super controversial because it's owned by a mm -hmm. former colonial power yeah. um Kemi Seba, as I mentioned, was arrested burning this currency. Um, the currency allows France to have veto and voting powers in the central banks of West and Central Africa as well. So France can make direct economic decisions, um, you know, influencing West and Central African uh, countries. And all of these things, the whole system is basically designed to get France access to really inexpensive raw materials and, you know, precious resources. And also, you know, to um, export, you know, French like um merchandise and um in a, in a rate that's uh, at a rate that's favorable to france um so yeah it's very controversial and so they're they're after like the 2017 um currencies burned by kemi seba there's like an eruption and this is an intergenerational struggle it's not just now but there's kind of like a new phase of this struggle against the currency that erupted 2017 2018 2019 um where people are just really adamantly rejecting this currency to be like popular movements. I mentioned Urjol's Pan-Africanese, but this is where FRAP becomes really, really prominent as well in Senegal um, in terms of the France Degage, France Get Out campaign, which is not just about the, the CFA, but that's part of it. Um, and that's because of because it gets so unpopular, uh, it gets to a point where France is is forced to basically find another way, you know, and that's where the echo currency mm -hmm. comes in. They, be, they, you know, people are demanding a different system. They don't like uh, <laughs> every sort of aspect of their economic life controlled by France. Um, it becomes pretty much unjustifiable, and there's just massive revolt. 
Um, so France sits down with um, uh, the president of Ivory Coast, Alassane Ouattara, and they map out a plan for the ECHO, which is, a, which is essentially going to be the same system as the CFA, with the sole exception that the, the reserves, uh, the African reserves are not going to be in Paris. And obviously we know like that's a really like, that's a really, um, that's like a way to like continue a really colonial system where France still has, you know, like a lot of veto and voting power. They still have that. It's still anchored to the euro and a rate uh, chosen by France and all of that. Um, but the very blatant part that like, you know, it's we're not going to hold in France anymore. is kind of a way to be like, oh, yeah, like, why don't we get rid of like the part that's like the most over and in your face? Um, I just kind of <laughs> stick with the like behind the scenes slimy stuff. Uh, so that's like the, where the echo kind of comes in. It's so wild to me because I feel like French neocolonialism is so blatant in Africa. Like it's just so in your face, like just the total occupation and not even just like in place like Senegal, but like I'm from Cameroon, right? It's so blatant in my country as well. And it's like, imagine like 50% of your reserve just being deposited to like an, another, another name. Like that's so crazy. Like when you it's, think about like 50%, no, yeah. like. I mean, this is this is not independent. There's no, I don't think that there's even mm -hmm. a, a basic se like a semblance of sovereignty. You know, mm -hmm. like you're not an independent nation no. if your reserves aren't even being held in your country. I mean, we can talk about all the different forms of neocolonialism that exist in Africa because really, you no know, African country has independence. But it's like we can't even begin to pretend <laughs> it's like our currency is owned by our colonizers like this. You know. Yeah, and to I me, like, like, I feel like France and neocolonialism is so blatant. And yet, like, I don't know, I'm just not seeing enough, like, anti-Franc-Afrique kind of movement. And, like, by Franc-Afrique, Franc-Afrique is a derogatory term. Like, it just speaks to the unfortunate relationship between France and, you know, some African countries. But it's, like, we talk about, like, we've, okay, America's obviously, like, humanity's just greatest enemy. You know, you've got Israel, you've got Britain. But France doesn't get enough smoke for me. Like. It, it's just so wild. Like we need way yeah. more smoke for what France is doing in Africa, in its ex-colonies and in other countries that didn't belong to them before. Exactly. I fully agree. I mean, I think we just don't hear a lot about some of these countries, especially some of the ones that have been hit really hard by French imperialism over mm -hmm. the years. Like we don't know a lot about like out here in the US, like a lot of people don't know a lot of things about say Central African Republic where mm -hmm. France has intervened for a long, long, long time in a very direct way or Gabon where France has like installed countries, yeah. generations of basically the same um, family puppet government and like gone on TV and announced that they rigged the elections. Like, you know, almost bragging about it. We don't hear these sorts of stories. So even the way that protests in Senegal are framed right now, like you can mention before, like it's two opposition candidates, but what's mm -hmm, not really being mm -hmm. talked about is why Macky Sall is so, so disliked. And then why is Usman Sanko like kind of mm -hmm. seen as a better person, a better figure? One of the big major things, and this is not to say, you know, Usman Sanko is like some sort of uh, like Thomas Sankara revolutionary, <laughs> but he proposes to, he came up with a plan to move away from the CFA, you know? Um, mm. I'm not gonna put in sort of my, um, but I think I think the Senegalese people should decide who they want to be the president and who they mm -hmm. want to elect. And I don't think France really allows that. And we're in a place where African countries do get to fully choose their leaders. Um, but I think that it should be their decision ultimately. And our decision, you know, as as a global African people. Um, yeah, there's something you really you said, Prudence, earlier that I really think is, I mean, is so good to be elaborated on, which is that we need a continental currency. 
you know, like mm -hmm. that's really what's going to be, um, like, I don't know that that's something we can achieve until we have full continental unity, at least not a, a continental currency that serves uh, Africans truly. What they want to do with the ECHO is to get more of uh, West Africa outside mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm. countries involved in this French controlled system. But we need like a, a an African currency that's really about, you know, serving one unified socialist Africa. No, totally. I mean, imagine like you're in Cameroon, you have the Seifa, you travel to Nigeria, your money's now worthless. You travel to another place, your money, again, worthless. It just, yeah. it's so wild, right? Like we absolutely do need continental currency. Um, we need continental unity, yeah. um, to be honest. I want to talk a little bit more about like these, um, these grassroots organizations in um, Senegal, because you mentioned FRAP, which is the clip we play, but I've also heard of this other org called Iana Mar, mm -hmm. which again, it's like French for we're basically sick of it, is like um, the trend, like what the name of the organization means. But I'm really interested in seeing, like all these grassroots organizations in Senegal, like did they kind of form, would you say they like formed prior of, okay, so we know Makisa obviously is not like, but what about the previous president, you know, did some of these orgs, was that like formed in resistance to his leadership or have these organizations kind of always been present? Cause Senegal's have four presidents, none of them fantastic, I would say. <laughs> so like, I guess I want to talk a little bit about these other grassroots orgs like Yanama, like what are they doing? Like, are they anti-imperial? Are they organizing as well against France and the CIFA and the military bases? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's a good point. You know, like you said, Senegal has only had four presidents mm -hmm. since so-called or alleged independence. <laughs> independence yeah. um, and um, so that was Leopold Sedar Senghor. This is somebody who, geez, we hear about him a lot, actually, like, the world, like one of the few African leaders that maybe in the U.S. you might have heard of. And mm -hmm. he's mostly for, like, negritude, like, you know, mm -hmm. this poetic movement. And, like, you know, Okay, but um, if you look at his actual, if you look at, um, I don't know, I, no, I honestly, we need to talk about Leopold Senghor because you're right, like he's quite known, you know, Negritude, oh, a brilliant African intellectual, you know, like went to l'Académie Française, but it's like he was not the one at all yeah. when it came to like leadership, when it I came think, to the people. Yeah. Um, I think that's why people kind of admire him low key is like the, the not first of all I would say you know the people tend to admire him not in, not in Senegal and not in much of like North <laughs> Africa not the masses of people he's not mm -hmm. popular amongst the masses no. but he's popular amongst a certain class of people mm -hmm. um, and then he's popular um I'm not going to say necessarily in the Senegalese diaspora, but like I think more so with people who are not maybe from the region who like are studying Africa and maybe like come across him and think he's cool. You know, you look at him and almost everything he does is just like in partnership with France or like <laughs> holding France's hand. And that was really his vision for Senegal. Like when Senegal gained independence, quote unquote, and, and it never did. But the idea, there's a kind of a what what the what Leopold Sedar Senghor and like um, his particular class and the people who were kind of surrounding him were pushing for was not independence mm -hmm. but a greater expansion of French citizenship. So there's kind of always been like this little not I don't want to say always because well I guess actually it is still probably here amongst like you know uh, a certain class of people in Senegal to this day more kind of but there's kind of like this uh, historical fight which was more to get French citizenship or like be recognized as true Frenchmen, as opposed to get to getting total independence. Um, 
And um, so, yeah, so Leopold Sidar Senghor was one of those proponents, but then the, like both because of pressure from the grassroots uh, who re were really pushing for full independence, a largely like, you know, like socialist, communist, uh, pan-Africanist in Senegal, they wanted full independence. And then also because France had just finished fighting Algeria, which was a very mm -hmm. like long and difficult war that they didn't want to experience again. And they knew that, you know, eventually that the, the masses, the will of the masses would um, triumph they were like, how can we kind of avoid another armed struggle? Let us give flag independence to most of our for former colonies, or pretty much all of them, except for like Guinea, um, Conakry, where Ahmed Sekoutoure and the Guinean people rejected it. But pretty much everywhere else, uh, France established uh, something that is called like the Colonial Accords, which is basically that um, these countries would have to maintain the CFA franc, the French controlled currency that they used under colonialism. They'd have to maintain that under independent, quote unquote, independence as well. Um, they would have to allow France to intervene militarily or maintain military bases in the region, which is what we see all over the place in Francophone Africa now, um, especially in the Sahel region where Senegal is. Um, other parts of the colonial accord, you know, would be, you know, um, favorable business deals with France, granting France the right to extract resources whenever they're discovered in um, in in West Central Africa, etc. So, and a great example of this is that petroleum was discovered in Senegal um, a few years ago. I think this was around 2014, and this is already a uh, controlled this offshore where people are, where they're extracting petroleum is already like 90% owned by the French company Total. So this is very much like still a real thing in practice. And then the maintenance of French cultural institutions. So you will not go to a country, um, either a Francophone country or probably any like West or Central African country that does not have an Institut Francais. You know, that's like mm -hmm. the French Institute. Um, you know, there's plenty of French cultural institutes in the region. Um, they're required to maintain the French language as their official language and to participate in a group called the Francophonie, which is like this supposed to be like this French speaking <laughs> family or community where they all sit down at the table together and like <laughs> think kumbaya and that's tragic. their friends or something. Yeah. I mean they are because they're real um, colonial leaders. So I guess they are they are friends with France. Um it's a question of what uh what the masses want. And I remember reading that um you know, like we hear a lot of like really terrible things about like Sekoutoure all the time. And I remember reading that um, Senghor actually had quite a bit to do with like pushing that whole like, oh, Sekoutoure is like a dictator because he was not with like the fact that Sekoutoure like said, no, we're not going to join your little weird club of neocolonialism. We'll mm. just be poor and independent, right? So um, major reactionary Senghor is just how he must be remembered. But now let's talk about just like following Senghor because Senghor was like, the so like quote unquote independence day um leader but then was followed by now three leaders now before makisa we had like abdullah wad and actually before we go into this i want to play another clip actually from another it's another member of frap again and he's going to speak a little bit actually on a little bit of senegal's history with its leaders depuis 1900 nous avons compris que nous avons vu que chaque 4 avril nos, nos présidents organisent ici, ici même, à la place de l'obélisque, un défilé qu'ils appellent « Fête de l'indépendance ». Donc nous, nous, nous sommes... Since 1960, we have seen that every April 4th, our presidents organize here, in this very place, la place de l'obélisque, an event they call Independence Day Celebration. We have now grown up, we have become more conscious, 
and we realize now, we understand now that we are not independent. There is no independence in Senegal. Now, to keep it simple, we now understand that you do not negotiate your freedom. You have to take it. History teaches us that Senghor had negotiated so that Senegal can have independence. And based on that, we can say today that we are not independent. Now, speaking of Makisar, when it comes to him, he was unable, he was unwilling to follow in the process of Abdullah Wad, who had been in the process of taking Senegalese's independence by removing French military bases and investing in national enterprises so they can rise again. Instead, Makisar brought back the military bases and gave France everything, economically, culturally, France even has a say in our religious orientation. Now, we as a people, we have decided to rise against this. We have a duty as nationalists, as citizens, we have a duty to demand an end to all of this. Senegal is not independent. And now, we are in the process of taking our independence. And we are determined to win this struggle. We began this movement, France Dégage, in April 2018. We have joined with several other organizations and we are going to organize the entire population in Senegal. We are going to awaken their conscience. We are going to make them understand that we as a people are not independent. It is 2018. No country should still be under imperial control. It has been 58 years. 58 years they tell us that we are independent. But we do not see that independence. We do not feel that independence. Things must change. We are going to tell Makisal things must change. We are going to tell him enough is enough. He must cease to be a puppet of France. He is controlled by France on all corners. He brought Auchan here to destroy our local merchants. He brought Ifiage here. No enterprises of BTP can survive. Look at our oil. Our own oil does not belong to us. This is a very complicated situation, but we are now in the process of organizing the people. We are going to organize the Senegalese people and demand that as a sovereign people, we must impose independence on our leadership. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about um, Abdoulaye Wad, who was the president prior to Macky Sall. And in the video, um, he mentions. Um, he kind of mentions how Macky Sall didn't follow in the steps of Abdullah Wai, who was in a process of like taking back the independence, apparently. And he mentions removing the French bases. Um, he favored national enterprises. But however, I, I also know, like based on my understanding, that the people weren't necessarily like, you know, big fans of like Abdullah Wad, right? Like they also did want him um, to go. So I guess I'm kind of like wondering, like, okay, we know Macky Sall is not the one, but like, what, what was the, what was the situation like with, um, Abdullah Wad? Like, obviously there's a way to be a, not like a total complete disaster of a leader. Um, yes. So, um, Abdullah Wad was the, is a third president of Senegal. Um, so Abdullah Wad was a president who he, his, his term and like his, what, um, his time in office was very different from Macky Sall's mm -hmm. in that he really did try to, at the very least, uh, diversify Senegal's trading partners. So mm -hmm. um, during this time, a lot of trade with Sen um, between Senegal and, and Asia, you know, like China, um, probably especially, but other countries in Asia as well, um, increased a lot and, and trade with France decreased. The French like stronghold or like um, 
just tight grasp on the Senegalese economy weakened. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, another example is that um, under Abdullah Wad, the French military base in Dakar was more or less like effectively shut down. Um, mm-hmm. Almost all of the troops had left. So that was a really big deal. Um, at the same time, the Senegalese people rose up and kicked him out for what they saw to be sort of like a, a breach on their democracy when he tried to change the constitution to put his son in power. And also, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was, um, you know, reported some level of reported uh, corruption in his administration as well. So he, you know, he, this is somebody who, you know, it's not like under his term, the material conditions of Senegal rapidly transformed, like mm-hmm. some sort of like revolution happened. Not at all. He was just kind of like a more nationalist, nationalist uh, leader um, who tried to get away from France. Um, there's a lot of people that think that France played a role in his disposal and in, um, um, in the rebellion that overthrew him. And this is kind of also where Yenamar comes on the scene and becomes very prominent. Um, they are a group of um, mostly like rappers and journalists who um, formed an organization to educate the, the masses about like democracy and like voting and to encourage more people to vote, especially like going out into the countryside and getting peasants to register to vote and um, to, to think about elections especially like you know in in a lot of um in a lot of circumstances um like like groups of like peasants are like manipulated by governments who will come and like uh, try to like basically corruptly like buy votes during election season so they try to like do a lot of education around this during that time and you know their 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 focus at this moment um in in Senegalese history uh was really about getting rid of Abdullah Wad, it was not so focused on um, anti-imperialism. It was framed as sort of like democracy. Um, and I'm like, not to say that, yeah, it wasn't really, it was not framed as like an anti-imperialism. And it, and it was also like, um, not focused on who exactly was supposed to even replace Abdullah Wad. Um, they've always said that they have like, you know, never officially endorsed Macky Sall. They don't work with Macky Sall. They're not, in any way associated with Macky Sall, um, they just wanted Abdullah Wad out, and it was mm-hmm. at this moment that Ab- uh, that Macky Sall came in. Um, you know, people also talk about how like France may have influenced his coming into power. I honestly think that this deserves like a book or something of research. I mean, you have so many books about like so many U.S. presidents. I would love a book about how Macky Sall and Senegal came to power because, you know. France has intervened electorally in many African elections. Gabon mm-hmm. is a great example of this, um, just as one country. Uh, you know, Cameroon, yeah, these presidents are very clearly handpicked by France. It's not even um, covert. You know, that's obvious. And and so it would not be unprecedented at all. This is a neocolonial system. France decides who um, Africa's leaders are. Um, so I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if, like, the elections were rigged in this circumstance. They very well may have been. I, but I strongly believe that at the very least that France, um, you know, there certain parts of the actual campaign process um, to get Macky Sall in power was influenced by, you know, sort of like French funding and endorsements through like different sectors. You know, I, I don't know if this is where I say allegedly or whatever, because I don't <laughs> have like the actual proof on paper, I guess. But I, I think that somebody could easily kind of do this research and like, find it because it's like when your control over the economy is so strong when you have control over the currency um 
Please know that their economic control was a little bit weaker at this moment. When you have historically been, you know, dominating an area so explicitly for so long, yeah, those those leaders are handpicked by France. So um, that's where Yamal comes in. Oh, sorry. And real quick, okay, just yeah, no, to add, they are they they have moved to uh, like an explicit anti-imperialist um, orientation now, and they're very much focused on on um, getting rid of France from the Senegalese economy. Um, so I do want to mention that that is now their focus. I want to talk about what you said um, about just like just how the blatant um, just kind of French takeover because you wrote a really good piece and we got to talk about it because you were going to mention it so I have to mention it and you wrote you wrote a really good piece that's on the AAPRP's website and everybody should check it out um, La Franque Afrique Senegal's French problem and what I loved about your piece is that it just clearly just paints just the total French enterprise takeover in Senegal, right? You mentioned, you know, strolling down the streets and all the big businesses, Auchan has taken over, ruined um, local merchants. You've got Total extracting all the oil, you know, Eiffage, you know, ruining local base construction companies. So that article is really amazing. And it just paints just a clear picture of neocolonialism and just, total French occupation of Senegal, which really resembles a lot of other countries. You know, when I look at my own Cameroon, you know, remember the first time I went to, Car um, to Cameroon, there was maybe like one Carrefour, which is a French supermarket. The last time I went there, they're, they're everywhere now. They've just taken, it used to be just in kind of like the rich neighborhoods. They're everywhere now. They've taken over all the local markets. So we have to tile, of course. So everybody should definitely check out that piece because these French enterprises, they're a major issue. Like they have a, a major issue because they're ruining the Senegalese people, the Senegalese working class, right? Definitely. I mean, there's Carrefour in Senegal. Uh, actually, you know, real quick on that note, I want to mention Carrefour is also the mm -hmm. supermarket where an African in Brazil was murdered um, last year. And there was massive protests in Brazil really? saying Carrefour is a very racist institution. You know, I capitalism is capitalism <laughs> and it's against Africans wherever it is, you know, the mm -hmm. African masters and African workers. But I think that's yeah. an interesting connection. But yeah, Oshan is another huge supermarket in Senegal um, that has just like um, completely sort of like, it's like overtaking the local Senegalese market. You mm -hmm. know, it's like really become like the go-to place. And But there's also massive organizing happening. There's a whole organization just dedicated to getting Oshan out. Um, this organization is called Oshan Degage, Oshan Get Out. And they, you know, organize um, consumer boycotts of Oshan in Dakar to get um, the supermarket out. But, you know, it's just one, of, it's a prominent symbol of imperialism, but it's not the only one. It's like, you know, you think, oh, it's a supermarket. Of course, it has an impact on the Senegalese economy, but it's like mm. when when it's everything you do throughout your day is being influenced by France from the, the phone you're using to call, which is Orange, mm. um, which, mind you, Orange also has an um, interesting sort of corrupt history because I know that it played a role in like the Yellow Vest protests or whatever in France. So it's like, you know, what what do you hear about them doing in Fran France? It's like, think about it as 10 times worse in Senegal, just the impact that it has on workers. Um, but uh, like, you know, Orange is like what you're using for your phone, you're using for your internet. It replaced a Senegalese company. So Senegal had a national telecommunications company that was bought out by Orange. It was Sonatel. Now it's like, you know, Orange owns like 42% of the stake or whatever. Um, you know, you get gas. It's Total. Total is a company that comes from Elf Aquitaine, probably one of the most corrupt um corporations in African history. That Elf Aquitaine, it used to be owned or like uh, it used to like 
basically carry out covert operations under a man named Pierre Guillaume. Uh, I'm talking about like, you know, shady arms deals in Biafra, like Nigeria, like during the, the Biafran war in, um, uh, you know, I'm talking about like selling like double arms deals in Angola. Uh, I'm talking about like, you know, like helping to assassinate African leaders. I mean, mm-hmm. when we talk about France Afrique, I, we're talking a lot about the economy and like, you know, this is real stuff that really impacts people every day. But it's, it's you know, it's also, you know, the stuff we hear like from the coup d'etats and from the like mm-hmm, over operations, mm-hmm. the rigged elections, the assassinations, you know, that is also France. Like France has that history and it's not just colonialism. It's quote unquote official colonialism. It's also neo-colonialism, you know? This is also things, these are things that have happened since quote unquote independence. Um, you know, um, some people say that France, like, fought the U.S.'s Cold War on its behalf in Africa. So I want you to just keep in mind that, you know, this is going into the 80s and such. Um, and then beyond, you know, 90s to now, um, to now, where, like, there are French agents, French Secret Service, who have done these things. And um, as as things are, unless things change in me, you know, until we achieve Pan-Africanism, we'll pretty much continue to do these things. Um but yeah, there's like that. That's how some of France's uh, economic control has been maintained. There's a uh, Fage, which builds French mm-hmm. uh, Senegal's like roads, infrastructure, all sorts of basically infrastructure in the country. So if you are in in Dakar and you want to leave Dakar uh, to go somewhere else in the country, you know the only way out is you have to pay a toll road to Fage's private private French company to you know oh continue gosh. to use their road. Um, so yeah, it's like you either pay this French company or you do not get access um, to the rest of the country or you cannot go from the country to the capital. Um, so it's really like a tight level of control. I mean, I could talk about like uh, TV broadcasting, like they own the satellite, uh, you know, I, it just, it, it, it's really extensive. The major banks in the country are owned by France. It's it's essentially everything. I I used to kind of joke that it's I'm surprised that France doesn't like I would be only the oxygen in the closet <laughs> for every breath that they take. It's like it feels like that. It really is like um <laughs> that's what's around the corner. It's like Under total Mac occupation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mackie was the one who like brought these these back. Like Oshan was something that formed and like accelerated in in uh Senegal under Macassal. The French military base, which closed under Abdullah, was brought back under Macky Sall. So when we hear people talk about Usman Sanko is better, Macky Sall is bad, like, you know, we have to understand that this this is like a, a, a system that has been created by France. You know, this is, that's what people are really revolting against. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People know that. You know, they know that their their problem with Macky Sall is because, you know, obviously their conditions are are not great, but that's because France has just like, he says it in a video that he's a puppet of France. Like quite literally, he says he needs to stop being controlled by France. And yes. I mean, the movement named France Degas just says it. France, get out! Like they clearly understand like where the problem lies. Like France needs to get out of Senegal and just the rest of Africa. It's like to me, I feel like the France Degas movement. It's got to be a huge focus for Pan Africanists. Like it, it just yes. has to be. Like we need to get France out of Africa. Um, we got to show so much more solidarity to these amazing grassroots you've mentioned, like Frappe, Yanama. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about these grassroots and just how they've built and sustained this movement. Like you said, you talked a little bit earlier about like these rappers and these artists. And like you've introduced me to a couple of these Senegalese rappers like um, Didier. And they have these songs like dedicated to like anti-imperialism, 
to literally like Sankara, our favorite revolutionary, they talk about African revolution. And again, in your piece that you wrote for the APRP, you have these photos, these graffitis, right? Of like various anti-imperialist movements, like, um, I mean, not anti-imperialist movement, just like um, sentiments, right? And just like, I love how they've used art, they've used music, they've used graffiti, you know, in their resistance and to also to like sustain their movement. And, you know, I know you've, you've obviously, you've obviously been to Senegal, like, and you got to see that, right? You got to see this art, you got to see how they use that um, in their movement. Yes, I mean, art is a major propaganda tool used mm -hmm. by the left in Senegal, like this um, mass movement against imperialism. And to be honest, it's also against capitalism. And it's um, mm -hmm. um, in many like instances, very clearly against capitalism. I mean, explicitly, these organizations are explicitly against capitalism. Um, and and it's used, yeah, it's really used to disseminate a message against um, imperialism, neocolonialism, capitalism, and to reach the youth. And I think it's also like, you know, it speaks to Pan-Africanism that it's this is also being done through, um, largely through hip hop, as in like graffiti art and rap music, and then through reggae, like taking um, like specific um, mediums and cultures that have had huge influences on uh, the African diaspora and, you know, using that on the continent to organize as well. And it's really beautiful. Um, you see uh, a lot of the graffiti art. I mean, in, in Dakar, it's like every, when I was there, at least, you know, every street corner I'd go to, you could see it in every single neighborhood. There were the words France de Gage, like France, get out. Uh, La France tout le Sénégal. France is killing Sénégal. Um, you know, about uh, la France Afrique down with like uh, la France Afrique or like the like French neocolonialism. Uh, so you see the and you know you see also the portraits of like Thomas Sankara and Emilcar Cabral. Um, I saw you know Kwame Nkrumah. Um, you know Sheikh Anta Diop is a really popular figure. That he's guy from he's from Senegal, so of course. Um, so you know, and you know, I just remember like these are people who are also studying revolution in, in different contexts and things that happen around the world. I went to the FRAP office where I interviewed Guimara Sanya and it's like right there, I see like, you know, his giant, giant portrait of um, Hugo Chavez. Um, he has pictures of Lamine Senghor, which is a, I, please look into Lamine, Lamine Senghor. Yes. Leopold Sedar Senghor, he sucks. Lamine Senghor, amazing, <laughs> right revolutionary, Pan-Africanist, communist, like one of the, one of the OGs, like one of the first, um, you know, Pan-Africanist scientific socialists, like period of an early generation coming out of like, you know, like er, like late 19th century, early 20th century. So please look into him. He's an important figure in Senegalese history. Um, so they're really drawing inspiration from these things. Um, so yeah, I, the art is like a really huge way that they're doing it. And it's how they've been doing it for a while now. And it's been working very well. And it reaches other countries too including countries that are fighting a similar fight, which is, um, you know, just kind of increases collaboration and exchange between these countries. Okay, I wanna talk, cause you got it brought back again, the movement. I wanna talk a little bit about like, and I feel like this might be a little controversial, but I wanna talk about just like the, the global North's response to movements on the continent, because I feel a little bit like there's almost a bit of like a hesitant hesitancy for people to want to engage with these things. And I know we get it, like what happened with Bobby Swine, some of us were like completely blindsided. Like, what is he doing talking to homeboy in Venezuela? This is not what we wanted, it's not what we expected. But it's like, to me, it's like, okay, um, 
we get it. We might have gotten it wrong. But like, why is people's like immediate reaction to like, ooh, let's maybe like kind of dial back. Let's not really involve ourselves in politics on a constant instead of being like, wait a second, there's Frappe, there's Yanama. We need to build solidarity with these grassroots so we can get the kind of analysis we have for like countries like Haiti. We have our like go-to orgs for Haiti, our go-to orgs for like Cuba and Palestine and to really know what's happening there and what the, and to like provide us with like a really good analysis. But like when it comes to like Africa, it's like, let's actually step back. Let's not really talk about that. But I'm like, um, where are we going without Africa? Like it's truly no liberation without Africa. So to me, I'm like, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I think you touched on something super important here. I want to actually speak to the Bobby Wine situation because I do think I, you know, I probably did have an impact on how people responded to these protests in Senegal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's precisely like what you're saying. I don't think that necessarily if we had had, um, like, I don't know if, you know, us in the, in the U S or in the Imperial Corps could have had done anything to directly changed, uh, Bobby Wine, his meeting with Juan Guaido. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if international supporter could have swayed that or not. But what I do strongly believe is that at the very least, like the level of disappointment people have regarding this Bobby Wine situation comes from the fact that people are not really tapped in to what's happening in Uganda or in much of, Af much of Africa over a, a, the court, like a long-term course. So we have other organizations that do like long-term around the, you know, around the clock solidarity work with specific parts of the world. So whether or not there's a protest popping off, they're paying very close attention to the politics mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. ground. We don't have anything like that for Uganda to really tell us, you know, who who is who um, and like who to trust. So we don't really know who to trust. And so we, we kind of end up disappointed because we never really were paying attention in the long term over the course of like several years. Um, like we like, you know, like exists with other countries and other um, sort of networks. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in the case of you don't have this in the case of Senegal. We don't have this in the case of much of Africa. I think there's a lot of distrust. I think, to be honest, I, I hate to say it. I think some of it is um, American exceptionalism from, you know, the U.S. specifically on that side. And like um, kind of some level of arrogance. I think that people mm. like people like to connect with organizations that are explicitly speaking their language and mm. using their exact terms. And you don't know what um, if you're not studying a country closely, you don't know. Um, you can't know what's happening on the ground to know how things are framed and why they're framed a certain way. Right. Some of these organizations may not use the word socialist. That does not mm. mean that they're not socialist organizations. Mm. That means that they they are really attentive to what the the conditions and circumstances and like uh, political reality is of their countries at the time what the level of oppression is what the level of like safety is um and and how to like and then they have to choose their language appropriately um and navigate things accordingly so that they can exist as organizations and fight for their people and you know and arrive at socialism you know in um in a way that that uh yeah the way that you know in a way that's possible so I think that there's like that's one example, but I think that you know people. I mean, I think there's trends. I don't think Africa has is trendy, but I think a lot more people are <laughs> yeah, curious. Yeah. I think a lot more people are curious about Africa. We mm -hmm. saw the protests um, with the uprising in Sudan a few years ago. Um, we saw NSARS in Nigeria. That I mean, these are things mm -hmm. that got a huge international response. People are curious. You know, they want to understand um, Africa better, and. There's ways to do so, but I think that it does require working with grassroots organizations that are there and having some level of trust in them. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that every organization is revolutionary, but we know that there are revolution organizations that are 
um, revolutionary organizations. Uh, and I think we have to also kind of have a level of humility sometimes where it's like, even if an organization isn't necessarily using the exact terminology or language that we use here in the US or here in the Imperial core, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't trust this organization or that the ideology of this organization isn't a very solid one. Um, so I think those are really important things to note, but it really does take, it's, I think there just, or I'm going to say, I really do think it's necessary for there to be like prolonged solidarity work mm -hmm, with uh, mm -hmm. Africa and, you know, attentive to like the grassroots in Africa, in different regions of Africa, whether or not it's like there's a protest or it's You're popular right. mm -hmm. in the moment. We gotta sustain these solidarity movements, not just like when it's on Instagram. Um, but yeah, you spoke about like, you know, ways for people, because I know this is kind of your big, like how, what are some things like people should be reading? What are you, like, how can we learn more about like, not even just like Senegal, but especially like Franc Afrique, like we need, we need to like develop a burning hatred for France. Like what can we read, yeah. tap into to just really get a good sense of like why France needs to dégager? Yes. I mean, one of the things that sucks is that like reading material is much more available in French than it is mm -hmm. in English. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few things I can, I can recommend. Um, one of them is there's like, this was just translated from French to English recently and put out by Pluto Press. It's a book called, um, I think it's called Africa's Last Colonial Currency, uh, the history of the CFA Franc. Um, in, in, in French, it's called like L'Arme, uh, what's it called? L'Arme Invisible de la France Afrique or something like that. The Invisible Weapon of like France Afrique. Uh, it's by Ndongo Sambasila and Fanny um, Pigeot, I think is her name. I really encourage you to get this specific book, but also to look into Ndongo Sambasila as an economist working on the CFA. Um, he's written a number of articles and about the echo because this is going to be something that, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, it's being proposed and it could, it could happen. And we need to follow this like closely. If you're Pan-Africanist, you need to be reading and studying about what's happening with this proposed echo currency. So look into um, Ndongo Sambasila on this. Um, there was a great documentary that, um, it's in French called La France Afrique by yes. um, Patrick uh, Bonquet, but it was translated. Okay, it was translated into English by Al or at least released by Al Jazeera in a three-part series at one point called The French Africa Connection, but it's no longer available via Al Jazeera. So I'm not sure where you can find it other than the French original, um, which is not owned by any um, specific media outlet. It was an independent film, as much as I know. Um, so I don't know where you can find it, but if you have any way you can get the French Africa connection, I highly recommend watching that. Um, and I think another thing, if you're a Pan-Africanist, you should know the name Jacques Focard. Uh, that's Jacques, like the French name Jacques, I hope you can, like, and then the last name is Focard. So F-O-C-C-A-R-T. This is somebody that has done so much to establish French neocolonialism in Africa, a very important figure on like our enemy's side. You know, we need to know our enemies. You need to know Jacques Foucault. You need to understand what he did. Like I mentioned Pierre uh, Guillaume of Alf Aquitaine earlier, another pr prominent one. Ja Charles Pasqua, uh, Pascal is like another person, you know, you should know, but especially I would say Jacques Foucault, who um, had an influence. This is a much earlier period, like in terms of uh, this was like sort of the late 20th century, but still you can't understand what's happening in Cameroon if you don't understand La France Afrique, you know, mm -hmm. you can't like people want to talk about Amazonia and like, you know, there's a war in Cameroon that none of that can be divorced from the, this history where France has committed, you know, assassinations 
like a series of assassinations against revolutionary leaders in Cameroon. Um, you know that like that that is that is what like and then propped up these specific reactionary governments to replace them um, to an two back to back and we're in we're in the second round like Paul Bia right now. So that's that's France Afrique. Gabon is another example. Like we don't hear a lot about Gabon in um in the Imperial Corps, at least in the US. I don't know about like other other parts, but we don't we really don't hear very little about Gabon here. Gabon's political history needs to be studied and understood. The Bongo family, you know, the two generations of of Bongos, Omar and Ali Bongo, we need to know about this as Pan-Africanists and we need to know how they got to power. And the answer to that question is is France straight up. And, you know, they talk about it. The people who orchestrated this revealed it. Look into this information. I don't, I'm sorry, this is not a direct book recommendation. Because <laughs> I think a lot of this is in French. I mean, they, Jack Foucault wrote the list of like a, two huge volumes of books. Uh, about like the atrocities atrocities he committed in Africa before he died, I don't know if they're in English though. But I really want people like if you are able to to look into those um, those resources and to at least know those names. And I knew I'm going to shout out your piece. Also read um, this piece on the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Um, it's right on the homepage. That was a really really nice piece, really well written, just to give you a good idea of what Senegal looks like today under French imperialism. Um, all right, guys, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Before we leave, we're gonna leave you with the song, um, which is called um, Seven Minutes um, Against Le Cefa, or Seven Minutes Contre Le Cefa, which is um, a song by a bunch of rappers and reggae artists from different parts of like French Africa and the diaspora. Um, it was filmed in Dhaka, and obviously, as you can see by the title, it's a song um, against the Sefa. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Um, we might be back again. Like we said, this is a collective podcast between various members of the AAPRP. Any last words, Inem? I just want to say uh, forward ever, backward never. Bye-bye. <laughs>